Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Crossroads. Glad you're here. Welcome, everybody, online. Um, if you are just stepping in, you're stepping into a long series. We're still in the book of Revelation. Wrapping up in a few weeks, but we're going to take a little audible today. We're going to step back and we're going to be in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Um, this chapter in 2 Thessalonians, it gives us some more detail into Revelation 17 and 18. We'll be back to Revelation 18 next week as we make our way through this amazing book. And uh, hopefully, as we talked about last week, that the Bible becomes our main news feed. Not the world, but uh, the Bible. And it's truth and the amount of details. I think you'll be uh, overwhelmed, I think, this morning when you see the details that are written in the scripture about the future, about what to look for, about what is happening now and what will happen uh, moving forward into the future. So before I dive in, though, let me just give another couple announcements. We have just um, some some update on our family, uh, on Crossroads family, just um, some staffing um, changes. Many of you obviously know Brian and Amanda Matthew, who've served our children faithfully for the last five years, and uh, they're transitioning off of staff. Um, most of you, maybe all of you don't know, but that Brian's been serving faithfully also with Young Life on Mondays, and he, he's feeling a transition maybe to... Uh, look at youth ministry and some other things. So they're in the process right now of actually looking at some new uh, ministry opportunities and uh, and this call of transition into youth ministry that we're excited about to continue to journey with them. So they are pursuing those things and um, we'll keep you posted on the details when uh, we get any more details on what they, uh, that new calling, that new season for them is. Just ask you to continue to um, bless them, pray with them, walk alongside them as a part of this family and um, well, we hope we don't send them out but if we do uh, pray them out to a new ministry opportunity that would be exciting but we'd love to also see them stay here for a season as well so um also, a few weeks ago, we had a family ministry with all the families, all with kids at this first service. Um, we met after church and talked about just direction there, and just um, and we'll give you more details on all this uh, in the weekly, but as time comes along. But Chris Henderson, who served over our XG middle school and high school, Chris will be moving um, here in the next few weeks into a different position, kind of overseeing, focused on family development and over these areas. Alyssa Schmidt will be taking more responsibility with the children, and we're looking to hire um, some people onto her team um, as well. So um, all kinds of, of changes going on. And um, if you have any questions, please never hesitate. Our doors are always open to um, talk to you uh, about anything going on in the life of the church. So we'll keep you posted on uh, on those changes, but I know um, Brian and Amanda especially would love some prayer. And uh, if you see them, I think he was here at the first service, just uh, journey along and, and hear what God's doing in their life as we pray for that next season. So um, with that said, let me say, oh, and also tonight we're back at Outpost. Um, also put on your calendars, we're going to do a Good Friday service here Friday night. We'll get you the details out, I think, in the weekly tomorrow and next Sunday as well. Uh, but we're just, uh, we won't do Outpost Easter evening. That's, I think it's two weeks, right? April 17. But we will do a Good Friday service. Um, so come just for a time of worship. We're going to, it's going to be simple, but we're just going to take some time just on Good Friday to worship our Lord and um, take communion and uh, rejoice 
uh, as we remember, obviously, what our Lord did for us. Um, so that'll be coming up um, on Good Friday. So let me just pray for us, and we're going to dive in here. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word, and uh, Lord, give us ears to hear, hearts alive, Father. Holy Spirit, move in this time. Let it be this beautiful exchange of your word and the Holy Spirit moving, Lord, just exalting your truth. Lord, I pray for a spirit of encouragement, Lord. Give us understanding, Father. Bring conviction where we need it. We all do. We need to be convicted, Lord, by your truth and your word. Um, Lord, as your spirit moves and, and changes us, transforms us, uh, Father, come speak to us, Lord. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I, um, as I said, we're stepping back to Second Thessalonians, if you want to find your way in, um, in the Bible. And uh, again, I, I say it all the time, and I'm going to keep saying it, but I just encourage you to get back to the paper Bible. Set that phone aside. We're actually praying. So I'm going to throw this out. I didn't do it the first service. I'm going to throw out this service because I'm going to come back to it. But um, boy, what would it be like if church was a non-tech zone? In other words, to come into worship, you just your phone had to be in your car. You know, um, so I just throw it out as an idea. What would what would that be like? And uh, so, give me some feedback on it. I'm um, not right now, but uh, any any other time. Let's get back to the paper. Let's get back. Wouldn't it be amazing if time? Do what? What did I say? Oh yes, text me feedback. Yes, it's okay out there, just not right now. But um, yeah, exactly. But just a thought. Wouldn't it be amazing if if when the church gathered in the presence of the Holy Spirit. That we had his word and we had the spirit and we had no other distractions. What if we modeled that? So just a thought. Um, so this idea of spiritual apathy to awareness um, is what I want to dive into this morning. I'm going to try to accomplish way too much in a short period of time. But in chapter 2, it goes back and gives us some real detailed foundation to Revelation 8, 17 and 18 about the end times, the Antichrist, the world system, the apostate church, how all that's going to come together. This chapter gives incredible insight in detail about what that's going to look like. We're going to dive into that. But as Paul's writing to the church, right, and some things that are going on there, um, I want to use this chapter to get below the surface for us to really wrestle with this thing that is taking over in America right now. I want to raise the level, the alarm as such, of what is happening in the church today, across the board in America, a time of spiritual apathy like we've never seen before uh, in our land, in our country, and for us as a church as well, to really evaluate our own hearts. Because folks, I think we all feel it. I do, right? There's this pressure, isn't it, to disengage, this pressure to just go and be gone, and to be somewhere, and and, and to disengage, right? Uh, and uh, boy, I, I mean, uh, and, and when it comes to church, there's just this pressure. You feel it. And folks, this is spiritual warfare, right? This pressure to just do this, do that, do everything in this time of uncertainty that really gets down to the core of, of who we are, just this, un, this restlessness. This is spiritual warfare, and the, the consequences happening in America, right, is this disengagement just relationally across the board out there everywhere. But let's talk about the church. 
And the church, the fundamental aspect of the body of Christ, the family of God, if we're saved, we're saved into a family. We're saved into a community of people. And to stay vibrant, to stay spiritually aware requires that we gather, that a priority is that we gather together uh, to encourage each other, especially in uncertain times, especially in tough times. As the word of God tells us in the book of Hebrews, do not forsake gathering together, especially as you see the end coming, approaching. And, but it, it's deeper. It's this apathy that takes over um, in our lives. And so I want to leave you with this statement. Um, and again, when we get in here, you'll, it'll come alive a little bit better. But folks, spiritual apathy is the beginning of a bad, terrible process of the soul of deadening numbing the soul and folks we all we've all experienced it we all feel a sense of wilderness we all feel like "Ah, god's not hearing me um we give up on prayer we give up on attending church it just doesn't become important anymore and we start you know buying things like it just doesn't do anything for me anymore or we get critical or we blame saying oh i don't need that anymore and and we just run to a thousand other things that we want to put ourselves into and we leave our soul Right, exposed um, with this idea of spiritual apathy. Spiritual apathy, though, folks, it does not stay um, there. It moves. If there's not an awakening, if there's not conviction, if there's not a sense of a renewal of the Spirit of God and the reality of what Christ has done for us in our life and the reality of, I need the body. I need to worship together. I need encouragement. I need to grow. Uh, I need to love one and experience the love of the body, which we'll see here. You can't do if we're isolated out somewhere else. Is um, Those are the fundamental aspects that we should be sharing and encouraging right each other when we gather. Apathy does not stay there apathy moves either if it's not brought to awareness the other place it moves is apostasy apostasy and what is apostasy apostasy is basically a chucking of my faith it begins with a questioning of the truth it begins with oh i don't really need to be with the body i can go do a thousand other things or i can tune in online listen to podcasts and whatever that is and slowly what happens the world takes over and what happens slowly and this is happening across the board like never before in our nation is we start questioning the truth i start questioning wow well is the bible really true and i start buying into the things of the world and then, once truth is, starts to become waffling in the sense of the Bible is no longer my filter, no longer my foundation, it moves me very quickly to a place of apostasy. What's apostasy? It's where I just uh, don't really care about my faith anymore. I don't really even care about God anymore. In other words, really, I say I do in certain conversations. Maybe I've had some church history in my life and everything, but in general, really, in my life, what I give myself to, it's just not really in important anymore so it's not even atheism you say well how about that other a at least to atheism no it doesn't it leads to something even worse it's it's um uh, you've maybe heard the terminology apathism which is just i just don't care anymore i'm just going to give into a numbness i'm not going to pers- i'm not going to do the hard work of faith and folks by the way faith is work it's not work to be saved. That only comes by grace. I can't be religious or good enough to be saved. Right? That's the work of Jesus on the cross. I receive that by faith. I'm saved freely. That's the amazing thing. No matter where I've been, no matter what I've done, he washes me. The gospel is this glorious good news is that he receives me like I am. Right? And he saves me, renews me. But at that point, when I meet Jesus, 
Now, as Philippians and others says, I got to work my salvation out. I got to work it out, which means I have to learn to apply my faith. I have to learn to live by faith and not by sight or my emotions, my flesh. I learned to live by faith, right? Um, and that's the only way. And there's this, this sense of apathy erodes at that. And that's what I want to look at. And I have four things this morning we'll end on that I hope we as a congregation, church family, will wrestle with deeply when it comes to our own soul and where we're at in, in this process. So with that said, let me step into 2 Thessalonians. I'm going to break this down and uh, then I'm going to step back in here with these four things to address this, this idea of spiritual apathy and, uh, and call upon the Spirit of God to, to really convict us, right? To wrestle with these things and to make some adjustments, right, in, inside our life. So here we go, 2 Thessalonians. And this is, um, Thessalonians is the church in Thessalonica, which was the capital of Macedonia, which is kind of the northern part of modern day Greece. And uh, Paul, on one of his missionary journeys, he planted this church. Um, And we're going to read about that in just a minute. But this is his second letter to them to encourage them. And he says this, Now concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not to be quickly shaken in your mind or alarmed either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way. Let no one deceive you in any way. So, in other words, just to begin with, you had this wild, and I'm not going to get into all the details, but um, that there was this word, we don't, Paul doesn't even know how this lie got into the church, believing the day of the Lord had already come, and that somehow they had missed it. And But it caused this great emotional trauma, this great um, unrest among the people. Um, Because it was a false lie. It was something that, um, and remember, and we're going to read it in just a minute. This is a church under persecution, under the Roman pressure at the time. So they were already under some intense persecution and standing firm, standing steadfast as we're going to see. But if the the enemy can't break that up, he's going to bring a lie and he's going to do whatever he can do to break the unity, right, of, of the body. And uh, verse 3 says, Let no one deceive you in any way. For the day of the Lord will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. Now, folks, that should wake you up. We just marked down Matthew 24. Jesus said the same thing. Talk about the man of destruction. In the end, is going to be revealed, right? But what Paul is giving you is even more detail about what is it going to look like, what is going to have to take place leading up to the, to the um, revelation, to the coming, um, the coming of this Antichrist, this leader who's going to look really great is going to come in the end and to rally the nations right against God. He will rally not only political power, as we talked about last week in, Bab- in uh, Babylon, or the mystery of Babylon. We'll see this as we get next week into uh, Revelation 18. But he will also merge together the apostate church along with political power. And it won't just be one nation, as we've seen in the history of the world, right? And we see it right now, as we talked about last week. You go to North Korea, right? They demand worship of the leader of North Korea, right? That's today, right? Putin has his arm locked with the Russian Orthodox Church, more than you'd ever imagine. In our own country, we have confusion about how these two, the priority of how these things fit together. And remember, the kingdom of God is never advanced by a political agenda, ever. 
Jesus was crystal clear on that, right? And boy, we run into serious error when we try to blend those two together. Doesn't mean we don't need to be faithful servants and citizens involved in politics, but do not think the kingdom of God is advanced by political means. Never will be. His kingdom is separate. It's coming against all the kingdoms, right, of the world that will come together. And so this man of lawlessness will be revealed. The end won't come until he is revealed. And uh, he's the son of destruction who opposes and exalts himself, listen to this, um, against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? Now, um, so there's a lot of discussion on this, on this passage in the sense of, I'm going to take where I stand after looking at all the, all the scholarly discussion. I believe this is specifically talking, there's no, how the people when they read this letter would have understood that is that this man of destruction, this world leader is going to step into the actual temple of God, which is in Jerusalem. And uh, which means it's interesting because what's the state of it today? It's not rebuilt, right? My own opinion is, folks, when you start to see that temple being rebuilt, when you see the Jews take Temple Mount over again, pay attention, all right? Pay attention. Um, it could be that, you know, uh, in the Corinthians, it says that obviously we're the temple of God where the Holy Spirit resides. So it could be some grander, but they wouldn't have understood it like that. They would have understood this. And we know, right, from um, Ezekiel and other prophecies, as well as in Revelation, Jesus, when he returns, he's going to plant his feet on the Mount of Olives, right? He's coming. The new Jerusalem's coming back to reside right in Jerusalem. Israel is the center, the epicenter of the world, the world history. No other nation's lived and is extended out like Israel has. God has a plan. It's his nation he chose with Father Abraham to be, right, the people that would usher in the Messiah. Messiah. And there's going to be a time where they're going to have a revival. They're going to have an awakening to where they persecuted, where they rejected God's son, right? And that will come in the end as well. So this is also fulfillment of, of, of uh, prophecy throughout the Old Testament, New Testament. You could write down Daniel um, chapter 11 uh, in history, 167 roughly, Antiochus Epiphanes came in and desecrated the temple, set himself up as God and desecrated the temple. Uh, we know when Rome destroyed the temple in 70 AD that they came and did the same thing, desecrated uh, the temple before they leveled the whole temple, right, itself. So again, how prophecy we talked about this works in the Bible is, is it's, it's something that is given prophetically. This is what's going to happen in the near future as well as an ultimate fulfillment that which we see in the book of Revelation in the end. And uh, this is what um, he's talking about here, that this world leader, he will sign, we know from the book of Daniel as well, he'll sign a covenant, a peace covenant in the Middle East, right? He'll be the one to accomplish this in a big way, but he will break it halfway through as his power overtakes him. And he doesn't just long for political power any longer, worldly power, but he longs for spiritual power. And folks, again, look at any world leader today. Throughout history is, we talked about this last week, is that power, absolute power corrupts, right? Absolutely. And it doesn't just stop with political power, is that it moves towards harnessing religion. Every political ruler wants wants religion on their side to use it for their power and for their means right and when those combine it gets ugly okay and this is what is going to be manifested in the end but listen to this now we're diving deep verse six and paul says to the church and you know what is restraining him now restraining the coming the timing of this 
this antichrist, this, this world leader. You know what is restraining him so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he's out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. You write Revelation 20 next to your margin there. Uh, that's when Jesus comes and uh, <clears throat> brings his kingdom right in the end and brings judgment to the world kingdom um, there but let's step back what is Paul there's a lot of discussion here because he kind of keeps it mysterious who is this restrainer holding back the coming of this world leader in this one new world order right under his power ultimately and uh, the answer that most uh, scholars fall to that makes the most sense here is the restrainer is the government system itself So write down um, Romans chapter 13, and it says here that God gave government for two primary reasons, to keep justice, to keep the law, and to protect the people. Everything else that's added to government is bureaucracy and is beyond what God's primary purpose for government is. It is to keep the law, to keep the law of the land, so that lawlessness does not break out. And... um, and so what, at the time he's writing to them, he's keeping kind of cryptic. They knew clearly what he was talking about because this is what was going on with Rome. They were under persecution. This church was um, under the persecution of Rome and uh, hardcore persecution. And so he's saying when that restrainer is pulled out, right? In other words, and lawlessness takes hold even further is it provides a way for this ruler to come and to rally together the nations, right? Under, under power and, and unity. So in uh, this interesting light, so for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work, the spirit of the antichrist. So folks, I, I mean, tell me, is lawlessness on the increase in our country, our land? I mean, I don't know how you can argue any different. Unlike any other time in the history of our nation, lawlessness is out of control everywhere. We are confused about what the law is. We're confused about how to apply justice. We're confused on holding people responsible. I could go down the line of things, right? The spirit of lawlessness is at work. We have times of uncertainty. We have times I could go on and on, right? And what's happening, um, clearly this is, folks, again, this needs to be our news feed. Right? This, this says exactly right, where all things are going to go. Again, we don't know if it's a year from now, a thousand years from now, in God's grace. His ultimate, right, First Peter says he's a patient, loving God. He desires all people to come to the knowledge of who he is. And the reason why we have these, these uncertain times is just that, is to wake us up to look up. Right, to, to call upon God rather than the other. There's only two options. The other one is to harden our hearts, be apathetic, move towards apostasy, and to just put our faith in the system of the world that our politics, our working together, can somehow bring peace. It never has, never will. I'm just going to say it again. No amount of working for a cause, no amount of working political means will ever, ever bring in lasting peace. Ever. Never has, never will because we're flawed. We need a savior. Again, that doesn't mean we don't work, right, for those things. We don't serve and try to make things better. But do not fall in the lie that somehow the world, man, system, technology, that somehow we are going to fix the world or the environment isn't going to happen. Isn't going to happen. The Bible's real clear what's going to happen with the environment. Razor sharp clear. 
Doesn't mean we're not good stewards. We don't take care of it and do what we can. But don't buy the lie. Right, that somehow that your faith, my faith is in right, political agendas and other causes, that somehow that's going to save the world. Right? That is anti-Christ. That is anti-God. That is the system of the world right, that tries to rally people against God. It doesn't blatantly say that yet, but that's what it is. Right? That we work against God, and that's where persecution comes in. Right to those who are committed to their faith being in God rather than right in the systems of man. And so when this restrainer is pulled back, when lawlessness comes, it won't just be one nation. Remember, this is not just one nation. It's a conglomerate of the main nations in the world that will move this direction. Um, I, I could take you around the world today and prove to you lawlessness is on the rise. Um. I would love it if you know of a nation anywhere where the opposite is happening, right? Um, and obviously, we're right in the middle of the whole Ukraine and, um, and the atrocities, right? Um, what, happened, what happened to the hope of man that we can politically figure things out? What, what happened to our never doing genocide again? What happened to our, all of our causes that are out there raising money and working to, to bring peace to this world? What happened to all that? We've got another situation happening because, folks, that's the course of the world. That's the course of man. It always will be. There's only one Savior. There's only one righteous kingdom, and it is yet to come, okay? And the Bible's razor sharp clear, right, on all this. Um, The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan himself with all power and false signs and wonders, And with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who do not believe the truth, but but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And so it just comes down to is our faith in the world, our flesh, man, or is our faith in God? And the whole movement of the world is to that climax, ultimately is into that, um, that calling, that clarity of either rejecting the truth. Romans chapter 1 says, right, that all God's wrath that we've been reading about, his just judgment in the book of Revelation is against those who continue to suppress the truth, right, and want to foster something that is... Um, that, that is man-made, right? It, it, it's rejecting God's truth, his word, right? And his truth. And folks, we are so deep as a nation into rejecting the truth of God. Um, I, 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 and again, I'm a patriot. But we're far gone, right? In the sense of rejecting, the honoring the, the things of God, right? We, it seems like every month goes by and we just take something that is clearly of God's created order in the Bible and we say just the opposite. And matter of fact, we persecute or hostile to anybody who doesn't abide by the new system or understanding of falsehood, right? That is a spirit of lawlessness. That is a preparation, right, for what we've seen right here in the word of God. So um, I'm willing to make a general statement that probably not many of you growing, that have grown up in the church have heard that chapter preached before. Is it going to make that? I'm just going to throw it out. Matter of fact, I'm willing to say, if you grew up in the church, I, I'd be willing to say probably you never had the whole book of Revelation preached to you before. Now that's a problem. Because that means what America's done is we've, and again, I would just say this, uh, um, 
boldly, right? If your news feed, if your podcast feed is a little pep up, if it's a little gospel light, if it's a little, uh, just some nice little things, you know, helpful matters for life, turn it off. Is this time for God's be The only way that we can stay alive and aware is if you are about the entire counsel of God, the whole truth of God, not just the parts that you like. That's apostasy. That's movement towards apostasy. And every, I mean, have you not, I, I feel the pressure. I mean, honestly, there's a lot of things in here. I get into the wrath of God. I'm like, well, Lord, I, whoo, I, I'd much rather, there's a lot of other things I like to speak about, right? And when it comes to just as we're going to see a loving relationship with people, are you willing to say the hard things to somebody? That's love. Just affirming their feelings, that's not love. That's enabling them to continue in a way of life that is broken. Right? So what I want to do now is I got four things just out of this chapter. And um, of how do we do this? How just four biblical things, they're not my ideas, um, that we need to wrestle with, gang. I need to hold on, encourage each other, wrestle with in the sense of, man, are, are we, how do we move out of this place of apathy? How do we become spiritually aware? And folks, I, when I read the Bible, I think what's so attractive to me is this just this sense of, I guess, spiritual liveness, a spiritual awareness, especially the book of Acts, but also the Gospels, of just this, the people were, were so full of the Spirit, were so engaged in this new life of freedom, the, of, of becoming a Christian, where the Holy Spirit filled them. The thing that set apart early believers, that still should set apart any believer, is that they are a spirit person. The Holy Spirit resides in their heart, and that we're led by the Holy Spirit, not by our flesh. Right? And that's where the transformation comes. And when I read the book, I'm like, I want to live like that. I want to be able to be so spiritually aware wherever I go, wherever environment is, that I have eyes. I'm aware in that room of where people's hearts are at, where what God is doing in that room, right? Rather than my flesh, right? Rather than my flesh. Does that make sense? God has that. That's the abundant life for you, is to have a whole new lens. Because he wants to use you. He wants to come in and love through you and bless, you know, and this is where the spiritual gifts come in. Is, am I aware of the Holy Spirit moving in me to be able to get a word for somebody and just have my eyes, wow, this is what's going on here, God. Let me partner with you in bringing goodness and blessing into this situation. And you see this, right, in the book of Acts. That is spiritual aliveness. Spiritual apathy is where I just live my life and really I have to just be honest. Man, I just don't see the Spirit alive in me. I don't, I don't have God's not giving me dreams or visions. I, I, I just look at things. I worry. I, I'm so self-centered when I think and we all wrestle with that, don't we? The Spirit of God, when He comes in power on you, as we're going to see, everything changes. And that's the abundant life. You cannot, I cannot do anything. No religion, no amount of steps is going to get me there. It is a move, a radical supernatural move, revival move of the Spirit of God, as in the book of Acts, settles on your heart and opens your eyes. That is what the church needs desperately today. So here we go. First one. How do we fight spiritual apathy and become spiritually aware and alive? Folks, this might seem simple, but it's unfortunately, it needs to be continually harped upon. Without a renewed commitment to the body of Christ, we will continue to be apathetic. We will continue to get caught up in deconstructing our faith and criticizing the church, blaming the church, on and on and on. And it will move us towards, I want you to hear this loud and clear, it will move us towards apostasy. 
questioning the truth, questioning our faith, questioning the need of church, and it will move us to a place of utterly at some point rejecting the faith. And folks, that's happening in our country today like it's never happened before. You've got public people now who've lived and ministered who are rejecting the faith simply because apathy took over and moved them towards apostasy. Um, Big stuff. And so I just, this is really important to understand, folks. The Bible, and this might shock you, but the Bible was not written to you. The Bible was written to the church. It is a community document to be wrestled with in fellowship with others. It is not for you to hoard in your nice little quiet time and to just you and Jesus, right? That will get you only to a place so far. I, don't get me wrong. There's a time we got to be alone with God but never without being intimately connected to the body. We need each other. There's no way to carry out, as we're going to see, all of the love and encouragement and and one another's in here without being a body, without being the bride of Christ, which is the glorious family of God. And uh, we are so American, so individualized. We just, is, we, we, this is how, we interpret it like for me. And you know what, you, we miss, do you know that all the language is plural you in here? All the admonition and everything else, we miss the brunt of this if I try to do it just on my own. Why do we have so much struggle getting radical transformation today? Radical freedom from bondage in our life and, and really experience the radical promises of God? Because guess what? I'm trying to do it on my own. Just me and the Spirit of God. I'm trying to do this on my own. It was never meant to be that. When you were saved, you were not just saved individually, you. You were saved into a body. You were saved into the family of God. And if I get that wrong, and folks, the lies today in America were so, the spirit of independence, isolation, all that stuff, it is keeping people in an apathetic position and is robbing them. Right of all the promises of God. Do not think that you can do this life alone. Never was meant to be that. There's nothing in here in the Bible about that. Right? It's communal. And so look at this. Look at verses. Um, this is so beautiful. When Paul's writing it to the church, right? He says this: As I urge you when I was going to Macedonia. Um, oh wait a minute, is that the right one? No, verse three and four of. Uh, oh, I'm in chapter. I'm in. I'm in the wrong book altogether. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Listen to this. We ought, this is Paul to the church, we ought to always give thanks to God for you, brothers and sisters, as is right because your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God. For your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. The only way they were able to stand up under the heavy, harsh persecution of the um, Roman government was because they had each other. They supported each other. And how are we supposed to love each other if we're not together? How do we love each other if we're not a family? How do we love each other if we don't gather together? You can't just do it in this remote podcasting world that is a lie, folks. And so we will never get out of apathy, folks, in an individual journey, ever. The first step is to awaken again to, man, I, I, and this is a faith step. You know what? You're not going to, we're going to talk about it in a minute. Faith is doing what necessary. I don't feel like doing. Maturity, the more I mature, faith is getting in step with my my desires start changing. 
But faith itself is doing what God desires, though I don't desire. Oh, I feel like doing that. But I know God says, don't do that. So faith says, I got to step, override my flesh and my desire, my emotions, and do the right thing and, and, and have priority on the truth of God, right? So that's the first one. Second one is um, a renewed commitment to the word and spirit. Um, boy, I, I, just, I, I just like, this is like a whole nother message. But um, folks, this is so important. So who, um, gosh, um, let me just read this and then we'll break this down. Good. Flip over a couple pages. This is, first, so this is the first letter that Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica. Listen to this. Verse four. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Is that how the gospel came to you? Is that how the gospel came to you? Do you know that you are radically loved by God? Do you know that he's chosen you? And did the word of God, when it came to you, and the gospel message of what Jesus has done to forgive you, right, to save you, and to give you abundant life, to make you a child of God, under the promises of God, and with an eternal inheritance, right? Um, do, you, do you know that love and that truth? And did it come to you in power? Now, what Paul is telling the Thessalonians, there was evidence of their faith. There was an evidence, there was a moving of the Spirit of God among them. It didn't just come intellectually. We as Americans, we have grown up, and, uh, and I'm going to just generalize here. Most of us were, hey, you walk the aisle, you say a prayer, you go to the confirmation, you go to catechesis or whatever it is, and, and you, ah, you're in, you're, you're a part of the church, you're saved. You're, you know, that's not biblical. It's not biblical. Salvation is not just an intellectual engagement. I believe this. Salvation cannot come without a move of the Spirit of God that comes in your soul and awakens you to the reality of God, and nobody can convert you. I can't convert you. We can't convert anybody. We're obedient to testify the glory of Jesus. It's the Spirit of God who sovereignly moves inside people's souls and awakens their heart to the love of God. And if I struggle with God's love for me, is what we need is the Spirit of God, not more intellect. We need the Spirit of God powerfully to move and bring that upon you. And so here we go back to our chapter here and it talks about in the end this all these signs and wonders will come. Folks, wow, in the end, right? There's going to be this not only lawlessness but as the end comes there'll be a rise in the supernatural. There'll be increased, Jesus makes it real clear, false prophets, false teachers. There'll be false messages. Um, there'll be radical false signs and wonders um, through even political leaders, now, I just throw this out to contemplate, but the, who are the people who are going to be easily deceived? And this is, this is a big shot across the bow for the church. Any Christian that has denied the gifts of the Spirit, any Christian who's kind of stepped back from the Holy Spirit in signs, wonders, and miracles, if you don't understand them, if the church is not embracing them, moving in them, when this power comes by a false, who's going to be deceived? It's going to be the people who, who see that in the political thing who, and they'll be the ones deceived. Why do you think in 1 Corinthians where he says, church, come on, embrace these gifts to love and serve each other. One of them is the gift of discerning spirits. Why do you think that's there? 
It's critical to know as the end comes, even more important that the church has the wisdom and the power of the spirit to be able to, right, have eyes into things, to, to see through, right, the deception. So it's a word and spirit commitment, folks, an awakening to everything God has for us, right, a pressing the full Trinitarian God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, understanding what the Holy Spirit has given to us, that it's needed, right, in the church to rock us out of apathy. The old American way of just the intellect, just good theology, it never will hack it without this power of the Spirit right along with it. A renewed commitment to biblical prophecy. And um, again, just the, the whole book of Revelation, all of the prophet, the, the amount of prophecy in the Bible is amazing, staggering, right? What God has given us, that should be our main feed, right? And so as I said earlier is, boy, when, what you feed on, make sure, folks, it's teaching on the whole counsel of God, not shying away from the tough stuff. And again, one of the things that's just taking over in the Gen Z or whatever X is today is this world is just anything to do with the wrath or judgment of of God, we just kind of woof, shove it under the rug. Let's de- let's take it out of our Bibles. In most modern churches today, you will never hear that language: judgment or the wrath of God, right? And there will be a com- there's a complete denying of that truth. What did I say earlier? When you start denying the truth, where does that take you? It takes you ultimately to apostasy, to denying of your faith, and creating something you might call Christian, but it has nothing looks nothing like what the Word of God right has to say. This is happening in a major way in our culture, especially among our young people, but it's, it's in the whole culture, right? Last one, a renewed commitment to truth, faith, and love, okay? Um, man, uh, I just write those verses down. I'm not gonna take time. I mean, uh, are we already read in chapter two about the confusion. Paul says, watch out, don't be deceived, Right? But this is what I want to say, because to me, this might be the most important part. And I need to say it carefully, gently as I can, um, but truthfully. Folks, um, we are in a climate today. You see the world and the climate. We are so, because of this pullback from the truth, which com- what comes with that is a pullback from dealing with the reality and truth and the idea of responsibility and judgment and wrath. Right, that there are consequences to our actions, even eternal consequences, because we're just kind of not dealing with the whole counsel of God. What comes with that is a system in the world that puts a higher value on your feelings, your emotions, than on the truth. I'm going to say it again. We live in a therapeutic culture. And what you're taught, what your children are pounded home is that no matter what, you need to affirm their feelings. That is not a biblical idea. I was going to lay it down. Nowhere in the Bible you find that we're to affirm anybody's feelings that are not based on the truth. If somebody's feelings are out of line, if their emotions are out of line, not based on the truth of God, they're never to be affirmed. We listen well, but we speak the truth in love. Okay? And this is, this is so out of line today. It's keeping people in an apathetic state. It's keeping people putting a higher value on how I feel than on the state of my faith and the truth of God. So let me just define faith for us. Faith, folks, when the Spirit of God comes in, is walking by faith, not by sight, is by the very nature of faith is that I'm going to do what pleases God first and the truth first over how I feel. 
And so this is, let's just apply it to church. I don't feel, it's snowy, it's rainy outside. I don't feel like getting out of bed. I don't want to come to church. Faith says, Lord, you tell me that I'm part of the body. I need to move against all my feelings right now. I need to take a step of faith. I'm going to trust you, God, at your word. And I'm going to hope, and and what's going to happen is my emotions are going to follow when I step out first by the truth of God. Does that make sense? That's faith, folks. That is what we need to teach, reteach, right, to um, those in our, in, in our churches, all right, to understand what faith is. It's not coddling people's emotions. That will keep them in a place of apathy, self-centeredness. It will never set them free. Right? You're set free by what? By the truth of God. And it's by loving people. What does the scripture say? Love. Love itself and the fruit of the Spirit. Are emotions important? Of course. But you know what? My emotions are tied to my flesh, and my flesh is against God. That's what I need to be saved from. That's why I need the Holy Spirit to move me away from my flesh, what I want to do, to what God wants to do. And when I do that, guess what happens to me? When I start to live by faith, is slowly what happens is the fruit of the Spirit starts coming alive. Love, joy, peace. Do you realize that in your flesh, in your emotions, you can never, I can never attain any of those things? Only by the Holy Spirit can I attain love and joy. Oh, you say love. Whoa, wait a minute. The problem today is even in the church is we have redefined love by enabling people's unhealthy emotions rather than speaking the truth in people's lives and calling them to putting their faith into what the Bible says. Love, God says, um, we love because he first loved us. Any love that is not with, based on the truth of God is a love that is tainted by my flesh and by my selfish desires. Now, that's big words. But I just leave it with you. This, we have to flesh this out. Because we're enabling people to stay stuck in a place of emotional bondage and rejecting the truth of God. Right? Love. We're to speak the truth in love. And if I want to get out of apathy... Right, is that boy, I've got to understand, right, what faith calls in me. And folks, we've all been there, right? God calls us to, that's what, the only way I can grow my faith is, guess what? I got to do what I don't want to do. I got to do what makes me uncomfortable. All right, I mean, let me tell you, I am, Michelle, I'll give you testimony. When I first started teaching, man, it was horrible. I did not want to get, I, I hated the idea of public speaking, all of that. It was like, wow, it was terrible. I had a lot of intellectual knowledge, but man, it just didn't get out right, right? I, I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to do that, you know? And it was, no, no, you're going to do that. I'm calling you to that. I just step out. All right, a little, you know? Anything great in your life, folks, if you think, if you can do it on your own power, it's not going to be great. You got to have, you got, you got to lean in. And this goes for everything. Deep, let's, let's, let's pull the cover back a little more. How about depression? You want to deal with the deep, darkest aspects, trauma, hurt in your life? You really want to deal with it? I'm telling you, I'm going to be bold here. I'm going to say it because it's truth. Is Just having somebody coddle and affirm your feelings is going to get you nowhere. It's going to keep you stuck in that darkness. You need somebody who's going to speak the truth of God, bring the power of God into that relation, and call you out of a place of talking and thinking about yourself that the Bible says you shouldn't be doing. And the only ultimate breakthrough is going to be when I start by faith saying, that's what I choose to believe over what my mind is telling me. And until we get there, folks, we're not going to see the freedom that we need in people's lives, okay? 
And uh, that's the gospel, right? So anyway, we need the Spirit of God more than ever, more than ever, right? And to move out of this place of apathy. So hey, you guys, come on up. And, um, and let's just pray. Let's have a little time um, for the Holy Spirit to respond. As always, um, boy, I mean, we could just dive in on all these topics, right? Deeply, couldn't we? And so do it. Let's continue the discussion. Please don't just, just leave these. I hope you'll take them, wrestle with them. What does this look like in your relationship with your children? What does it look like in your, your romantic relationships? What does this look like in your friendships? What does it look like in your friendships in the body? Healthy, right? Without these things, there is no real healthy breakthrough, radical, spirit-filled newness of life. It's by the power of the Spirit of God. Trusting in the truth of God. And folks, all of that is under attack. And I don't have to tell you the pulls that we all feel just to run from God, to get away from God, to question His truth, to, right, to you know, think we can do it our own way, to believe the lies of the world, right? Um, rather than His gospel, rather than His truth, how much He loves you, what He's done on that cross for you, invited you into new life. It is just a simple, radical act of faith of saying, God, Jesus, come, just come. Make me new. By the grace of God, you can't, we can't do any. There's no, right, there's no, there's no uh, steps. I, I just have to be abandoned to him. Lord, I've got to have you. I can't do it without you. I receive that grace and that mercy. Amen. the spirit of God will come. But then Jesus requires for transformation to take place. He requires, right, for each of us to journey with others as the body, as the family of God. Encourage each other. Grow up each other. So, Father, we just thank you for your word. Lord, I pray you just renew us, God. Renew us as a church, Lord. The power of your spirit, God. This wisdom, Lord. Let's love your truth, God. Let's love pleasing you, God, more than man. Holy Spirit, now move. Just, just do what only you can do, God. Beyond my words, beyond your written word, Lord. Do, Holy Spirit, only what you can do is take your truth deep into our soul and convict us. And make space for your life, your power. We love you, God. Love you, Lord. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.